appear, the heavens have opened. I was hoping to uh, check in. Check in? But you've always been here. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my husband. Dinosaur Story. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the long-awaited, much-anticipated return of Rule of Thirds, a monthly arts and culture podcast with a film crit emphasis. Join us online at thirdsrule.wordpress.com or on all the social medias at thirdsrule. I'm your host, the once and future king, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me, as always, are a man whose idea of a romantic night spot and an impenetrable fortress are the same thing, Mr. Samuel Dumas. And Judge Judy and Executioner himself, Mr. Caleb Dunkerson. Gentlemen, it's Hello. been a while. It has been a while. Uh, what happened? Well, stuff happened. Yeah, stuff my, my, tends my, to do. Yeah. I recall something very similar to this happening to a podcast I was once on. <laughs> mm, but this time, this time we came back. No, no, we we did that on that last podcast too once. We just need to keep make sure that we continue to come back. That's that's going to be the caveat. If this is a one and done episode, then we are truly screwed. But how, have, how many episodes have we done? Would this be episode? What would this be? Episode two hundred four. Uh, no, so I'm mean, twelve in the first year, uh, plus another four, so we're like sixteen, not including uh, individual reviews. Well, we skipped like two months though, so yeah, where the other. It's Where? still episode two hundred four. I just I right. Just I'm I'm trying to find that, out which but... which which number it is because I believe the previous podcast that we were on uh, got to fourteen. And if no, this we're, is fourteen, we're, also then we're past fourteen. We're past fourteen because we did yeah. a whole year, like one hundred one through one twelve. Yes. So and that was twelve. This is two hundred four. But we so we've done four in season two. Okay, so we have actually done four. This episodes. is number four. Cool. So we've reached. This is cool. sixteen episodes. Okay. Okay. So so we're good then. We already passed that that milestone. So we don't even have to. This podcast will never end. We have lived long. <laughs> we've lived longer than the white trash Voltaire, and really, that was the only goal that we had set out for mm. ourselves. Huzzah! So, <laughs> we should probably come Huzzah. up with a new goal. I would imagine we'd need a new one now. <laughs> right. Otherwise, we are in danger of just dying. So right. Let's let's not do that, please. I, I enjoy. This I podcast. say we should uh, have more episodes than. Than NPR. Uh, you know that's not a podcast. That's a broadcasting company. <laughs> Nobody said it had to be podcasts. <laughs> so we're shooting for more episodes than NPR. Okay. No, that NPR is the... Let's move on. <laughs> I want to set the bar high. <laughs> Much like Gary King, there's no point in arguing with Caleb. There really isn't. No. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue what is now an annual tradition for us in that we did it last year, and we're doing it again this year. Uh, we're going to look at one of our favorite film trilogies. Last year, we went all in on Park Chan-wook's Vengeance Trilogy. 
this year we're going to lighten things up a bit by jumping into Edgar Wright's Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. Uh, but first, we do have a bit of housekeeping to attend to, namely asking you all, gentlemen, what are we drinking tonight? Well, this is embarrassing. Uh, I went to three different stores to get Boddington's Pub Ale, and I could not find it. They were sold out at every single store, because apparently this weekend is for drink Boddington's Pub Ale. Yeah. Well, it's the trilogy episode, so... I guess. So I got <laughs> I got Cider Geist, Bubbles Rose Ale. Nice. Because it sounded kind of... I like rose, rose wine, and I thought, eh, that sounds okay. And you know what? It tastes like carbonated rose wine, so it's okay. But it's not the Boddington's that I wanted. No. I can see how that would be something that you would want. Right, I love it. Particularly this being the uh, the trilogy. I wanted I wanted to finally freaking have a drink that was thematically correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I put effort into it. And I- you did. Good for you, man. Well, speaking uh, of being thematically correct, um, I've got a uh, Colorado uh, Porter, <laughs> Breckenridge Brewing, uh, Colorado Vanilla Porter. Uh, nice. Very, very appropriate. That, that actually is a very good beer. I'm not a big porter fan, but I love the Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. Yeah, absolutely authentic to the British um, origins of, uh, of the trilogy we're talking about here. Nice. From, from nice. Colorado, United States. Of America, right. Of America, of, you know, parent right. company, Great Britain. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, we're, we're like uh, an offshoot, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I am drinking a pint of, uh, I just poured, before we started, poured myself a pint of Crowning Glory, uh, which is a British uh, beer, because I do want to be thematically correct. That's um, what they drink in the movie. It is. It's, it is a, it's a bit hoppy. Uh, it's a bit nutty. Um, it's a bit foamy. And it does have a surprisingly fruity note that just kind of lingers on the tongue. It's, it's really <laughs> quite delightful. Uh, highly recommend you guys all pick up Crowning Glory, uh, which is actually a fictitious beer uh, that they made up for the movie. I am, in fact, drinking, there's my dog, Boddington's Pub Ale. Because oh, I couldn't find it. Damn it. My wife, I sent my wife looking for it. She had apparently a time finding it, but did manage to track it down. Apparently, Sam does shop I, at the same place as your wife does. Here's the thing everyone sells it, but it's just, it was sold out everywhere. Yeah. So, I, mean, I couldn't find it. At, we went to Target last night, and I couldn't find it at Target. So I, I, my wife was going to Ikea today, and I was like, on your way back, swing by a, um, a liquor store and pick up some Boddingtons. She said she went in and asked the guy for Boddingtons, showed him the picture that I had texted her of the can. And the guy's like, I have no idea what that is. You can check back in our cooler and see if it's there. So she wandered back into the cooler and apparently spent a long time looking, but did, in fact, find it. Now, Did she Meyer? snarkily respond to the to the to the guy at the at the uh, liquor store with uh, by saying it's beer? <laughs> no, because he said so. he didn't know what it was. So I'm just like, <laughs> now Myers has the best price on it. It's like seven bucks for four can versus oh, the nice. eleven average everywhere else. Oh, nice. Yeah. So noted. No, I am smoking an English tobacco by Sutliff. So you got that going for you. I got that going for me, yeah. yeah. Mm. But hey, we're all drinking beer. Yeah, that hasn't happened in a while. And I also, uh, in another effort to be thematically um, uh, relevant, I did try to find uh, Cornetto, but they apparently don't really ship it to America. Uh, so I got the next, the, the next best thing for an American, which is 
hey, drumstick. So I'll be mm-hmm. munching on that throughout the, the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and open it up on mic so that you hear the sound of the cellophane on microphone. Because there's nothing I love more than when podcasters eat on mic. It is my favorite. Oh, it's going to be so good. I love the sounds of Stephen eating. <laughs> well, they are <laughs> miraculous. Okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, when a film nerd makes a great film, cinephiles sit up and take notice. But when a film nerd makes a whole trilogy of great films, chock full of Easter eggs and references, and other uh, references to other great genre works, and more in-jokes than you could shake a bloody cricket bat at, well, then acts enough to drive a movie lover mad. Tonight, we're going to do a deep dive into Edgar Wright's Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, alternately known as the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy. So let's go ahead and get into it, Sam, shall we? Well, our first film is going to be Shaun of the Dead. Uh, after being dumped by his girlfriend, Lissa's slacker Sean Riley attempts to drink away his sorrows alongside his childish buddy Ed, only to find that the entirety of London has been overtaken by zombies overnight. Together, the two must work together and protect their loved ones, find shelter from the bloodthirsty hordes, and just maybe find a way to get Liz back in the process. Caleb? Uh, next, we've got... 2007's Hot Fuzz. Uh, overachieving supercop Nicholas Angel is is making every other police officer in London look bad, so his higher-ups ship him out to the country. While there, he begins to suspect that there might be something deeply sinister regarding all the mysterious accidents affecting the townspeople. Together with his inept partner, Angel is about to cover the diabolical secret behind Sanford, uh, the best village in England, quote-unquote. Uh, Stephen? Uh, and finally, we have The World's End from 2013. Desperate to relive his glory days, perennial deadbeat Gary King cons his four school chums into returning to their hometown of Newton Haven to complete the Golden Mile, a legendary 12-bar pub crawl that they tried and failed to finish in their youth. But Newton Haven is not quite how they remember it, and there seems to be a dastardly force lurking behind the rampant starbucking in their quaint little village. Um, so yeah, that's the, uh, Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy, named, of course, for, uh, Krzysztof Kieślowski's, uh, Three Colors Trilogy, uh, which is a French trilogy that I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point on this podcast because it is awesome, and I don't think either of these two guys have seen it, and they need to because it is great. I own it. I bought it. Good! You need to own it. It is a, it's right. a great series of films, and... Now all we need to do is get you to watch it, and we're all set. So I don't know if you're going to wait till we cover it for the podcast or what. I think I'm going to wait until we cover it for the podcast. Fair enough. So you'll be waiting about a year. Yeah. That's fine. I've had it for like two years. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so just um, out of curiosity, because I think The World's End was one of the first movies that the three of us all saw together. Yes, I, um, I believe that's I believe that's accurate. Yeah, I, I, I think I said on a previous episode that it was the 2014 Godzilla. Uh, it was actually The World's End, I think, that we saw um, first because it came out the year beforehand. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's what you guys met. I think it was like a awkward thing. And we all enjoyed it. I'm going to make everything as awkward as it possibly can, and you know that. I think we um, stood no. out in front of the theater and talked about Horizon Christian School teaching Bible. To, to kids right, uh, for a little while. Because I did that for about four years. <laughs> yep, that's true. Um, but um, beyond that, so we know where we were when we saw the third film for the first time. But other than that, what is your guys' personal history with the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy? Well, I saw Shaun of the Dead when I was in high school. 
because I was really into horror films. And my brother's like, hey, you should watch this. So I watched it. I rented it from the uh, family video one Friday evening and watched that. And then I saw Hot Fuzz on the shelf a few years later and thought, I recognize those guys. I didn't have internet until after high school. I was still in high school at this point, I think. So I got Hot Fuzz and watched that and thought, I like this better than Sean the Dead. Yeah. And then we saw the third one together. That's true. We did. Uh, Caleb, personal history with the uh, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy? Well, Sam, uh, I was over at Sam's house one time and we watched Shaun of the Dead because Sam and Francisco uh, would talk about Shaun of the Dead all the time at school. And then also talk about Dead and Breakfast, which I never saw that, but y'all talk, you talked about them as if they were the American and British sides of the coin of the comedy zombie movie thing. Right, because when then, Shaun of the Dead came out, I looked up, wanted to do a thing. Yeah. Then then I looked up on, on IMDb, or no, well, actually both, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, both uh, Shaun of the Dead and uh, and Dead and Breakfast. I did this this morning, by the way. <laughs> so we're jumping forward uh, about uh, 10, 20 years, 30 years into the future here. <laughs> You're 30 um, now? <laughs> what? No. Anyway, the point is, uh, I exaggerated for dramatic effect. Um, uh I found out that Dead and Breakfast, not very well reviewed. Um, however, Shaun of the Dead, very well reviewed. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys in on uh, a little secret. have never heard of Dead and Breakfast. I'm going to let you on a secret. Well, it's not a secret. It's a horror movie that no one remembers from the mid-2000s. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's <laughs> my history. It. Might as <laughs> that's well be a history. secret. <laughs> um, so eventually I watched Shaun of the Dead at Sam's house, and then uh, we also watched Hot Fuzz at Sam's house, uh, and, and then we watched... Uh, the world's end at the movie theater, not Sam's house, but right. it might as well have been Sam's house. I mean, cause we went there immediately afterwards and watched Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz. As I recall, we did because my wife had never seen any of them. Oh yeah, we, we did, did do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's a thing that happened. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, so there you go. We've got, we've got all, we've all got a shared history. It, it completely centers around Sam for the most part, uh, except for, you know, Steven, he's probably got his own story, but, but I mean, at least part of it, part of it focuses yeah. around Sam. <laughs> the, uh, the Shaun of the Dead, I remember hearing about when I was in college, it was my senior year of college. And a friend of mine was like, Oh my gosh, this movie looks so good. You've got to check it out. And I'm um, like, Shaun of the Dead doesn't sound like the kind of movie I'd be into. I don't really like horror movies. He goes, no, it's a romantic comedy with zombies because apparently that was one of the taglines they were using in the United States was a romantic comedy period with zombies period. Um, and I was like, I don't really do rom-coms either. Uh, at some point I saw it and I don't remember where I was or what the circumstances were behind my seeing it, but I remember seeing it and thinking, this is really funny. And then the more I talk to people about it, the more I realize that it's full of hidden references to horror and zombie films that I didn't understand because I don't like horror or zombie films. Uh, as a general rule. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I just, the nerd in me was something clicked there and I was like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. Uh, then Hot Fuzz came out and I probably saw it after it had already come out on DVD and was just kind of like, so this is a lot of the same jokes, it's the same people, but completely different movie. This is also really funny in a completely different kind of way. And I really enjoyed it. And then when I heard that the world's end was coming out, I was like, okay, well, I've got to go for the trifecta. The more I watch these movies, the more I absolutely like. Oh, uh, what was that? <laughs> My neighbor has a tiny truck with a big horn. 
<laughs> Compensating for something, is he? <laughs> Probably the tiny truck. <laughs> Which they have like 12 horses, and the wife rides around and shoots bow and arrow, so I don't understand what they're compensating for. Uh, they're kind of jackasses. Fucked up my lawnmower. Anyways. <laughs> what? I want to talk about it. Movies. Well, well that'll be a story we, we save for later. <laughs> uh, watch your podcast feed for the bonus bit on Sam's Neighbors. <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely. I'm chewing ice cream cone. Um, what for you guys, I, I kind of explained this a little bit for myself. What is the appeal for you guys of the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy? Because I know this is one that we wanted to do fairly early on. And uh, when we said Trilogy a year, this was like immediately the next one we chose after the Vengeance Trilogy. Uh, what's the appeal of this trilogy for you guys? Well, the editing, the actors, and the Edgar Wright makes gold every time he makes a movie. He has yes. yet to make anything bad. Yep. At what, all. So what is it about the editing that you enjoy? It is slick. It's cut, but it's not like nauseating and you and like you're confused. Like some sometimes they'll like cut so fast you don't understand what's going on. His stuff, he makes mundane things exciting. Here's what he does. This is what makes him amazing at, at like okay, look. Well, I, I'm actually doing a little bit of research. I'm doing some fact checking right now so that I can back my statement that I'm about to make with some with some cold hard facts. Fact check, Caleb. Um, but but just uh, I'll I'll throw this question out there in case Sam might know. Does uh does uh Edgar Wright have a consistent editor for his films? Does he work with the same person, or is he? Do you know? Because I'm trying to look it up right now. I feel like he does, but I don't know that as a fact. Okay. His style mm-hmm. is fairly consistent. I would be surprised if he didn't. Right, at least for the Cornetto trilogy. I could see where maybe Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver may have varied, but for the Cornetto trilogy, like the editing is dead on. Like, I I would uh, I don't see that really uh, for the Baby Driver thing. Uh, what you just said about Baby Driver, I, I feel like that the editing re- really feels like the same vein of of like style of editing just taken to a ridiculous conclusion of what you could possibly do with music and because i mean all of the um all of the cuts and like the quick cuts and stuff that that characterize edgar wright movies um are always uh linked into a musical or uh sound effect combination that makes all the cuts work together and I feel like that Baby Driver is just like taking that style to the most extreme concept you could possibly like apply it to, and uh, it feels very much like the same thing to me. Only the, an entire movie of it, <laughs> which uh, which is awesome. Okay, let's see here. Editing sense. by Chris Dickens for Shaun of the Dead, Chris Dickens for Hot Fuzz, and. Some random guy named Paul Matchless for uh, The World's End. Uh, Paul Matchless is also one of the uh, editors on The Wild. On what? Baby Driver. Baby Driver? Okay. Okay. So it looks All like right. he's, he has, he's, he's worked with a couple of and editors. Scott, that... And Scott Pilgrim. Okay. So he after it looks Scott, like... Scott Pilgrim also. So it looks like from Scott Pilgrim on, he's kind of worked with... 
he's he's really it seems like only worked with two or three editors then well regardless i guess i mean it looks like that maybe um with that with that in mind uh maybe his influence over more. over the editing process is probably more important than the editor themselves yeah mm -hmm. That's what because it seems like. clearly his style translates across every film he makes. That or he finds editors that are very in keeping with his personal style. Right. And I read online somewhere, and I haven't seen enough of his films to really catch this, but um, I read online that there are a lot of uh, kind of quick cut montage homages to Sam Raimi in uh, Edgar Wright films that kind of show up like the seatbelt thing at the end of Hot Fuzz. Um, that kind of, you know, where all the seat belts are clicking into place and the car starting and they're shifting into gear and turning on the sirens. And like, apparently that itself is kind of an homage to Sam Raimi. I haven't seen enough of Sam Raimi's films to know that that's an homage to Sam Raimi. Like I wouldn't have said, oh, that's Sam Raimi. That wouldn't have entered into my mind because. Well, you know, I, I don't know for sure either because I haven't seen enough Sam Raimi. Sam Dumas might know about it. <laughs> I've seen as much Sam Raimi as you guys have. I I've seen six Sam oh. Raimi movies, which is to say I've seen his two trilogies, Evil Dead and Spider-Man. Okay, so, that's where I'm at too. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I did see uh, Drag Me to Hell, and I actually his influence was heavy in uh, the one he wrote for The Hot Sucker Proxy. I, oh, I could actually okay. see, actually specifically watching that, I thought, man, this is really Sam Raimi-like. And I'd look up and see where he actually had influence in that. He was second unit director, I think. Okay. And I and, remember, I think you mentioned that on the Coen Brothers episode. Yeah, so I guess I've never really paid attention, but I guess there is a style that he has, and I can see where he, uh, I can, Edgar Wright would be heavily influenced by it. Because there is. It's a very, uh, like, a slapstick visual. Mm -hmm. Right. Very, like, uh, yeah, a lot of quick cuts, very sporadic. Well, it's like the, it's like the you know, Sam Raimi is the the slapstick of horror, right? <laughs> so so Edgar Wright is kind of like the, the slapstick horror of whatever genre he's working in at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Because he right. does kind of convert everything into slightly, I mean, everything does have its roots in horror. Like all of his genre exercises, which you could call the court, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, a genre exercise or a series of genre exercises. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, which is part of the reason I find it so fascinating to kind of get back to the initial question of what appeals about this trilogy. Like I love the fact that he's doing a very similar thing with genre just as a whole. Um, I love the film nerd in me loves the fact that he's peppering in all these in jokes and references, even if they're ones I don't necessarily get because I am not as deep a film nerd as Edgar Wright is. I've not seen all the movies that he has. Uh, for example, I have seen neither Point Break nor Bad Boys 2. Um, so a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff in Hot Fuzz looked familiar to me, even if I didn't know what movie it was directly referencing, like the gun firing in the air as the guy runs away. Um, the helicopter, all of that. Of course, a lot of that did show up earlier in the film, too. I feel like there's some John Woo influence in there. I vaguely remember some diving with guns. And mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... But no doves flying around. There were no doves. Uh, there were no doves. <laughs> Which <laughs> really is a travesty. I mean, there was a swan. Does that count? There was a swan. Well, mm, I mean, it's not really true. a dove, but... <laughs> it's a white bird and it's close. Flies. I mean, it kind of counts. <laughs> <laughs> now, if there had been a bunch of swans flying around, that would have been a really crowded shot. Yes, yes. It, Those yeah. are big birds. <laughs> yes, yeah. it would have been. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I mean, so for me, that's that's kind of the appeal of Edgar Wright is just it, it appeals to the, the part of me that loves movies is that this guy who loves movies so much, he can put all these references into a film and still somehow – 
make it feel original. Like it doesn't feel hack. It doesn't feel um, mm -hmm. like a ripoff. It still feels like its own thing. Well, I think even that though it's comprised makes... almost entirely of other pieces of. And a lot of that, that probably makes sense. sense to. Have you ever seen this TV show, Space? No, I've not. I need to. No, I haven't either. You should really watch that show because it kind of it's kind of like the proto of this trilogy. Because mm -hmm. in the the show, the whole premise of the show is that it's a bunch of like slackers, and it's like all the same same actors, same actors in the movies, a bunch of slackers that are just overly influenced from American culture. Mm. And so a lot of so it's a uh, it's kind of like Community. Okay. How a lot of how you like the show Community, how they he like make like uh, homages to movies and other stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of space how space is, and that's how it kind of carries on to this is. He is the like there's I guess where his little peer group growing up. I, we we're obsessed with American culture and the things that Americans do. All the action movies, the violence, the video games, all that stuff. The violent video games. The violent video games. The Poisoning our children's minds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Poisoning the British children's minds. Yes. Absolutely. Caleb, you got a point you wanted to make earlier. Um, I think that what what makes these films one of the things that makes them so compelling is just aside from Edgar Wright's style and flair, which is so like powerful for these, you know, as elements of these movies, I think what makes it so, what makes these movies so compelling is that he has, he, he tells actually like um, compelling human stories in the context of these like, like progressively more ridiculous, uh, genre like over the top genre film homages and i think that it, it it's it's not it doesn't feel like hacky like you were saying steven because he actually is telling a good story in there as well while he's making all these references and and doing all these things um that could come off as hacky if it was if that was all the substance that was there but there's actually substance to the stories being told here too and they hit unexpectedly hard every single time, uh, emotionally. Whenever they get to those emotional high points for the for the characters. Yeah, you're right, and I think you really hit on something there because it is a combination of style and substance. Mm -hmm. and Wright has, even though it is kind of cobbled together from a lot of differing styles, Wright seems to have a style that is uniquely his own. Mm -hmm. uh, because even outside of the Cornetto trilogy, stuff like Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver, while I wasn't a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim, I probably need to watch that movie again. Um, you probably need to watch it like 10 or 20 more times, and then you'll get there. You'll get there. If Trust I have me. to watch it that many times, I'm probably just not going to. No, 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 um, no, no. You, you don't understand. Like, once you've watched it that many times, you want to watch it that many times. You want to have experienced it that many times. That's a favorite film of yours, is it not, Caleb? It's, it, it is. It is a top contender for favorite Edgar Wright film for sure. Um, because I remember when I we were doing baby our... driver so much that it may not be like the definitive best, my favorite Edgar Wright film, but it's, it's a top contender. I love that film. I just remember when we were doing our second ever episode, which is the, my three directors episode, you wanted to make an 11th hour uh, switch and do Edgar Wright and Scott Pilgrim instead mm. of um, David Fincher's Zodiac. I did. I was I was contemplating that. Like but, at the eleventh um, hour and we're like, no, dude, just stick with Fincher. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that was that was more Sam, like, no, you're doing Fincher. Yeah. Let's I mean move on. 
you know, the thing you, the thing you got to understand is that Scott Pilgrim is everything these movies are, except for it's for the video games and and uh, comic books side of of culture, of pop culture, more and so never... than the horror movies and action right. flicks side of pop culture. So, but th- it is abs- it is every bit as dense with, uh, you know, callbacks and and uh, homages to all kinds of you know video game and comic books and and things of that nature, web comics. Mm-hmm. All, all that sort of stuff because uh, Scott Pilgrim, the source material, Brian Lee O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the whatever each you know each each individual uh, volume of the of the uh, comic is um, is in and of itself a huge homage to uh, you know the the video games and comics and uh, web comics and almost some a lot of it being uh, internet you know, age, humor, and, and stuff as well. And uh, it's every bit as dense with, with all of that stuff. I mean, I've watched that movie. I I honestly don't know that I could give you an accurate figure of how many times I've watched that movie, because I'm not sure. But it's over 20. <laughs> and, Is that uh, on your Flex server? I don't think so. I can get it on there, though, because I... I would have honestly just watched all of Edgar Wright's films had it been on there, because I know that Baby Driver is on there as well. I, yeah. I would have just done an Edgar Wright movie marathon and probably watched... I can get it on there. ...for a second time. And you should um, definitely watch it a second time, and then... If you put it on there, I'll watch it again. You might want to watch it a third time after okay. you've watched it a second time. And if that happens, then you're in, man. You're in the loop. You're going to watch it over and over and over again until, you, until you've until you extracted everything that there is to, to be offered by that film. And I'm, I got to be honest with you, I'm not even sure I have extracted all of its content yet. Well, and I'm, I'm I mean, that, that is kind of the way that I feel about the Cornetto trilogy, um, the watching it over and over and over again. I've never been, I, I'm not a big video game guy. I never have been. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not my thing. Comic books, yes, absolutely. Love the the particularly the superhero comics. Um, have not been as into them of late. Um, but you know, that's that's always been something that I've been into. Um, but video games not so much. And maybe that's a part of the reason why I'm not really into Scott Pilgrim. Also, I'm not really a big fan of Jason Schwartzman as an actor who plays the 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 head villain. Uh, okay. Gideon, is that his name? Okay, uh, just mean, not I'm, a not a fan of his at all. So um, is that a, is that an ideological thing, or you just don't like? No, him I just I don't movies? I don't I don't find his performances very compelling. Um, I find them pretty one note. Uh, I find him as an individual well, difficult to look at. <laughs> Which I know I yes I have looked in a mirror and yes I do understand the irony of me saying that, he, but still he serves his he serves his purpose in that film well and if you can kind of like try to divorce him from whatever you've seen him in before and trying to determine whether or not it's a good performance just just accept just 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 take him for what he is in the film he's not really a character in the film and that's okay uh, because that's not really that's not really the point of him there aren't in, a lot of characters movie. in that film as i recall um well i mean every there's like there's like you know seven main villains and all of them get like three to five minutes on screen at most so yeah so but those are dense three to five minutes man <laughs> sure uh, I mean just like any given character I mean I I this for this watch of the Cornetto trilogy I took it upon myself to find as many of the references as I could. 
uh, and I only scratched the surface, I, I can assure you. Um, but I, I did. I've, I've got like a list of Easter eggs um, that I just kind of picked out as I was watching. And I'm sure I only, like I said, I only got a few because um, it's based on what I've seen and what I could pick up on. Like, I know that's a reference to something. What is that a reference to? Um, so like the we're coming to get you, Barbara, is clearly a reference to the they're coming to get you, Barbara, from uh, Night of the Living Dead. So stuff like that. Like I knew, OK, I'm like, oh, OK, that's a reference because that's a really weird way to say that. Um, but beyond that, like half of the actors in the NWA and Hot Fuzz are like villains in other things uh, from the 70s and 80s when uh, Wright was growing up. So, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that I just had so much fun with. And it's part of the reason why I love the Cornetto trilogy uh, so much to kind of try to stir us back to uh, our topic. No, no, go ahead, Sam. Well, I was actually going to say, uh, I'm looking up right now all the villains from the uh, Hot Fuzz. I do not recognize all those people. Honestly, I don't watch a lot of, I don't watch a lot of British movies from the 70s. Bore me. That's probably why you don't recognize a lot. And honestly, yeah. I probably didn't recognize a lot of them. Again, I'm not a horror fan, and a lot of them are horror villains. Yeah, but, it's like um, Hellraiser 2. It's like I saw that once a long time ago. I didn't yeah. like, barely watch, I pay, barely paid attention to the woman. Yeah. I hate satanic witch movies in that era. So I barely paid attention to that stuff. <laughs> I was surfaces from that. Hmm. Did we lose Steven? No, he just froze in time. I would just kind of like, these actors had to have been chosen intentionally. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of did some digging into their backgrounds. and The most famous was the Reverend who played uh, Belloc in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was probably. And um, the Mr. Weaver, who was the lead in The Wicker Man, which is the second time that movie has come up in conversation for me this week. It is, and both times I was there. Yes. I've never seen that one. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird little film. You might enjoy it. You might is, not. I is don't it know. boring? Is it boring? Because going back to what I was just talking about like a minute ago, I really don't like like witchcraft or satanic movies in the air because they're so boring. It's I not really... Watch- it's not witchcraft to... so much as paganism. I tried. I watched Virgin Witch like two weeks ago because everyone said, "Sam, you gotta watch Virgin Witch." It's like the pinnacle of those movies. So I thought I'd give it a try. You know what I learned from that movie? It's boring. Well, I learned a lot about dinosaurs because I stopped paying attention about twenty minutes in, starting about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are your? Uh, let's just take this movie by movie now. What What are your general impressions of Shaun of the Dead? A little bit boring. I loved it though. It it is compared to the two that come after it. It is the pacing is a little slow. I'll tell uh, you what. I watched the these movies in reverse. Really? <laughs> I watched the, the World's movie. End first, Hot Fuzz second, and Shaun of the Dead first or third because nice. because I watched them in order of. No, there was no good order there. Actually, it made no sense to me what i did i i just i i just watched them backwards <laughs> so what did you learn by watching Shaun of the dead last caleb i learned that i actually underappreciate Shaun of the dead um because when i chose to watch it last it was because i believed it to be my least favorite of the grouping and uh, i still think it is but um not to the same degree i used to um, I expected it to be much worse for me. I was like, oh, I'll just save the worst for last, right? 
but I didn't save the best for first because Hot Fuzz is definitely the best one. But I just wanted I had I'd only seen uh, The World's End like twice maybe total. And so I figured I should see it. I should like prioritize watching it to make sure that I don't miss it. This is actually my second uh, time watching it. Yeah, I've yeah. I've seen it probably three times in total, including this viewing. So, I mean, it's but, it's uh, World's End is probably my favorite of, of the trilogy. I I would after watching Hot Fuzz, I'm like, I don't know how it can get better than Hot Fuzz because Hot Fuzz is amazing. And mm-hmm. then I watched World's End, and I was like, oh man, I love this movie so much. I might have a contentious opinion about World's End then. Oh well, we'll get to it. I mean, we're on Shaun of the Dead right now. I don't know why we <clears throat> to rank our to rank these now, because that's totally the last question on the list. Well, we'll, we'll but, get uh, <laughs> we'll get back to it then. We'll we'll loop back right. into this conversation. So, uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, general I mean, impressions. It's a solid film, but it's slow. Like when I was younger and I watched it, I was like, I mean, it's great. It's slow. Yeah. By no means should my should my putting it last mean that I, I dislike it as a film. I, I love it. I love the movie. Um, even though I don't really, I'm not really a big horror fan. I could care less about zombies. Um, love, love Shaun of the Dead. It's just so much fun. I uh, was actually talking to my dad about it earlier today. My dad is not the kind of guy who watches uh, movies like this. And he was like, yeah, I think I've seen parts of Shaun of the Dead before. It looked kind of funny. So, I mean, it just has that kind of universal appeal. And it is. It's a very good movie. And I would say probably a lot of people would rank it highest of these three. I would not be one of those people. Um, but I would totally understand where they're coming from. It's a really good, it's a solid film. Um, and for a first directorial effort, it's it's really good. It's not his first. Well, for, it's his first feature, is it not? Right, but I think if you do it like an entire season of a TV show, you're pretty solid. Well, I mean, but that's, well. uh, directing for TV is different from from film from what not I for British, not for British TV. I would say it's almost the same. Okay. I don't know much about British television. Well, so that's probably British fair, television. British television is insanely high quality as far as the acting goes. Like the way that they just like way that their season stuff are constructed, it's more like making a movie there and like splitting that up than here. It's a lot different. So like, uh, right, how long is how long is space to like in terms of episodes? Like thirteen episodes. 13 episodes. So yeah, so so basically most of the stuff that you see like a lot of British television is 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 formatted kind of like miniseries, which are much more like that I do movies know. than they are like TV. Right. Um yeah, so I mean I I own the British office. I shouldn't say I don't nothing about British television. I I watch a lot of British TV when I can. Uh but the British office I've seen Luther, I've seen which is great. Sherlock I've seen probably most. I saw a bunch of Luther until they pulled it off of Netflix and then I Never watched a British show again. I think Luther's back on Netflix, isn't it? Is it? Did the BBC get over that, that that thing where they were going to be their only exclusive provider of streaming BBC stuff, and then nobody would buy that because you wouldn't pay monthly just to watch BBC? No, well, Did they wouldn't. get over that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, maybe. I, I could have sworn I saw Luther on Netflix. Now. Well, if it's back, then I'll watch it because I watched like three seasons of it which is what I think was on Netflix at the time. I only think they've, they've done one more season since. So, Oh, well then I need to watch that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, Luther's great. Like really great. Like legitimately really super great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also coincidentally not directed by Edgar Wright. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Uh, um, Sean, I like Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really answer the question too much. I mean, I, like, I did vaguely say that, I appreciated it more this time than I 
have in the past. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's a good movie. I, I think the zombie genre, like the zombie movie genre, is a tough one for me or probably most people to care about at this point because it got run into the ground so much in the 2000s and, and, and early 2010s. Still being run to the ground, though? Well, it's the it, problem. It, like, well, I mean, they're still trying to do something with it, but I don't think that anybody cares anymore at this point. No, but I will say, there's actually a recent effort that did really well, and it's one of my favorite zombie movies. And I don't even like zombie movies. Side note, Train, train to Busan, amazing. What? That? Train, to, train to Busan, the Korean no, zombie movie. No, any, no idea. Oh, it's Korean, though. So that's probably good. Well, it's on Netflix. It's like on their banner. It's on there. A lot of people are talking about it there. Well, I'm just it's saying, a, if it's Korean, Korean it's Korean. probably good because. Yeah. It's, it fills that niche that you needed. If you needed Korean. a sequel to 28 Weeks Later, it fills that niche. Okay. Okay. So, just letting you know. And I was going to say, of the three of us, Sam, you probably enjoy zombie films the most. No, I actually fucking hate zombie movies. <laughs> I like Day of the Dead. I was going to say, I remember a couple like, years ago on Halloween. Uh, you making us watch Day of the Dead. I don't like any zombie movies, nor have I ever. But Shaun of like, the Dead's okay. <laughs> I like Shaun of the Dead. Um, and I honestly, other than that that Halloween where Sam made us watch Day of the Dead, I don't think I've seen... Well, no, because a couple years before that, we did um, 28 Days Later, didn't we? It's not a zombie movie, Stephen. Fine, whatever. Let's split hairs and be we'll really, really arbitrary and semantic about it. Um, but, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, so I beyond that, I've not really seen any uh, any films from the genre. So I don't really, like I said, I don't really get a lot of the references or in jokes. But I, um, in in doing research for a lot of them, I, I found myself appreciating the the time that went into putting them all in here. I guess, um, which is, I mean, they're they're fun. Even if I don't get them, I mean, I'm glad that they're in there. Uh, I'm glad that people who love that genre can can find them and be like, that's really funny. Um, but yeah, I've never been a big zombie movie guy. Uh, I, I get the tropes of the genre, but that's just because they're fairly ubiquitous. Um, you guys were speaking of the the zombie boom. What role, because I think there was one, what role did Shaun of the Dead play in propagating that um, that zombie boom? Did it come toward the end of the first wave? Did it start off the second wave? Like how... No, it was, it was in 2004, well, the, so... The boom started in, like, 2001. With Resident Evil started the boom. Okay. It started with Resident Evil, and then Shaun of the Dead started the comedy zombie boom. That's why, back in the day, me and Francisco, and I saw as Caleb was referencing earlier, would talk about that, the Dead and Breakfast and the Australian Undead comedy. Because when Shaun of the Dead came out, then everyone wanted to make a comedy zombie boom. So that started the comedy zombie boom. I'm sure some... Super nerd out there is like, well, actually, well, actually <laughs> but in generally speaking, yes, that started the zombie comedy boom. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and again, not being super familiar with the genre, I don't really know much about um, when that. So I know there was a Day of the Dead remake that got Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder started. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Um, so yeah, yeah that started. Now you can easily say that it fell on uh, Paul W's. Paul Les Anderson's Resident Evil. Paul Paul Thomas. I don't know all the one of the one of the Paul Andersons out there. Not 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 Paul. Uh, Thomas I think it was Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> not yes. what, every single time. Every of Death time. Race. Of Death Race fame. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's a good movie. Anyway, that's sorry. That's sorry. The that's sorry. And that's actually no. Okay. 
Resident Evil, I guess. Well, that's the Death Race remake with Paul, by Paul W. Sanderson. With uh, Jason Statham? Yeah, it's actually yeah. a pretty fun movie. I didn't yeah. like that. Oh, we should, we should do a podcast episode about it. <laughs> we should do a car chase movie, do Death Race. Um, uh, we already did Death Mad Max Driver. Fury Road. That's a, that's like the obvious one. You too. got a Road Warrior, actually. Yeah. Uh, I would figure you'd want to do the Road Warrior trilogy at some point, man. Oh. That will be like five years from now, though, by the yeah. time we get to that trilogy episode. <laughs> yeah, probably will. We're so backlogged on trilogies, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we may need to change up our one a year rule because I don't know. Anyways, um, <laughs> might want to get to the ones we want to talk about before we all die. Sure. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> one of uh, one of my favorite aspects of Shaun of the Dead, and it's repeated again in the World's End, is the fact that the entire plot is summed up by an opening monologue, uh, by or by a monologue near the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, Ed's, Ed's monologue after uh, Sean's been dumped is uh, pretty much a step-by-step walkthrough of the movie. And then uh, the opening uh, monologue of uh, The World's End is also uh, kind of a step-for-step recreation of that movie as well, uh, which I find really, really funny. And um, again, kind of one of those fun little Easter eggs that Edgar Wright tends to include um, for the people that are paying attention. Um, that I find really fun. I looked for one in Hot Fuzz, could not find a comparable one in that film. So if I'm if there is one, I'm totally missing it. Uber nerds, you can email me at ruleofthirdspodcast at gmail.com and tell me that I'm wrong. Please do. We need letters to read on the air. Or maybe we don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> any Any other thoughts about Shaun of the Dead and how much we like it? Um. No. <laughs> All right, then talk up, talk up a little bit about Hot Fuzz, Caleb, because we know you like that one. Uh, I like that one. It's my favorite out of the out of the trilogy. There, um, it's just uh, it's fun. It's good. Approved. It is also my favorite of the trilogy. And I mean, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't surprise me, Caleb, that it's your favorite of the trilogy. Really love that kind of high octane action. Um, you know, lots of stuff, you know, frenetic movement going on. You, like, those are the films that you really kind of enjoy. So it, yeah. that's not terribly surprising for me. He, uh, Edgar Wright's really flexing his uh, his uh, special, you know, editing techniques <laughs> in that movie. It has probably more of that um, frantic, uh, but like well-controlled madness that he's so good at. Mm-hmm. Because that's the that's really the thing with Edgar Wright is that his stuff is is you know off the wall and all over the place and stylish and everything, but it's also well controlled and you can always keep track of what's happening because uh, I think sound design has a lot to do with how uh, how his editing style ends up working and where similarly frantic things like that you see in other um, you know from other directors and and lesser. Uh, filmmakers don't work mm-hmm. and are hard to track. Um, yeah. Hot fuzz really takes that to the, to the next level. Um, whereas Shaun of the dead, I feel is, is pretty mild in comparison. Uh, it has some of that, some of that style in it, but it doesn't consume nearly as much of the film um, as with hot fuzz, which is just style everywhere out, out, out the, out the wazoo. 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sam, Hot Fuzz, also your favorite, apparently. It's also my favorite, yeah, because it's got because it has potential to be as boring as Shaun of the Dead. Again, Shaun of the Dead's fine. It's just it's slow. And like yeah. as Caleb was saying, is he he does up the ante with his editing and his style. Mm-hmm. It's more ballsy with it in this movie. So it takes a really slow-burning movie and makes it exciting. And it's just out of the nowhere, super violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, well, I like that. One of the things I really like about Hot Fuzz, and one of the things I think it, that, that makes it really unique, is it's definitely a pastiche of, or an homage to horror films. Mm-hmm. Or not horror films, action films. Very much so. But then he's also got this this kind of tangential genre of like the 1970s style cult film mm-hmm. where the entire town turns out to be a cult for some reason, um, which he's kind of been hinting at the whole time vaguely. Like you think it's going to be kind of a straightforward murder mystery. And then there's this cult for some reason. And there it's the most inane cult ever. Uh, you know, all they want to do is win village of the year and we'll stop at nothing to win village of the year. Which I find right. hilarious. Like um, one of the best parts of that film is when he breaks down the plot of what he believes to be the like the the mass the the uh, murder plot, and it turns mm-hmm. out that while that sounds like a great plan, it it's nothing nothing about it is as important <laughs> as what he described. It's still so incredibly sinister, but it's all you know based on. Oh well, you know he's got a big house, and she's got an annoying laugh, and he's a terrible actor. It's and petty. It's everything. It's everything so down. It just comes down to, to just petty disagreements, and and, and the more the murder the murder plot is just as as you know elaborate as it seems. <laughs> but the but it's all for, but it, but it's still it, it's such a great send up of those. 70s cult horror films because there's always some grand conspiracy and there is a grand conspiracy but just when you think it's going to be something really super grand it all just falls on its face and that's where the comedy comes from yeah that's why it's so funny and that's why i think it works so well is because the thing that they want more than anything is just so dumb (laughs) i mean you know compared to we want to stay a little town we don't want from you know from a large freeway coming in and kind of ruining the aesthetic of what we've done here. It's um, no, these people are, they just bother us and we would rather not, they not be around anymore. So we're going to kill mm. them all. Um, I did rewatch hot fuzz, but I probably didn't need to. Cause it's the one of these films I've probably seen the most. I didn't watch it. Cause it's the one I've seen the most too. <laughs> my, I watched it. I watched watched it. Did you really need to watch hot fuzz to. again? And I said, probably not, but I like that movie. So I was yeah. fine with watching it again. I actually, what I said to her was I might've seen something different, you know, in this watch. And she goes, did you? I said, no, but it's a great movie. <laughs> Just <laughs> as wonderful as every other time you watch it. <laughs> right. It's, it's fun. I, it's, it's a movie that I could, if I can't figure out what else to watch, I could put in hot fuzz and just be perfectly happy. Um, because it's such a fun movie for me. And I love that Simon Pegg is playing such a completely different character than he played in Shaun of the Dead. Uh, the role feels like a big departure for him, even though it's probably at its heart really not. Um, it just, it, it feels like something very different. Um, it, I love... It really, oh, oh it, it really is a joy to behold. It is. <laughs> His He's so good. He's that, so good. Because it seems so out of character for him, but he just... It's 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 great. 
Well, and I love how he he goes from the 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 you know inept slacker in mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead to the straight laced by the book um, to being guy. the most hyper competent person you could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, and then how that pendulum swings way past Shaun in the other direction mm-hmm. to where he is just like Shaun times fifty. Just well, Shaun's just a slacker, right? Yeah, this guy's like an abrasive. Yeah. Gary King is an abrasive. Slime. Gary King is like scum of the earth, right? Yeah. Right. You know. Um, well, he's I scum. guess you know, you know, you know him. You you've seen him. You've seen him around. They're probably in your life somewhere. Scum of this nature. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Should we? Uh, does anyone else have anything they want to say on Hot Fuzz, or should we go on to World's End now? I mean, uh, I just. I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to to gush enough about Hot Fuzz. I just. I know we it's tend to not say a specific, lot about movies that we like. You no, know, it's just an experience of 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 watching it. It's so joyous. <laughs> I love it so much. It it plasters a smile onto my face. I Basically, love it. From start to finish. What we're saying is, if you've not seen Hot Fuzz, you need to go see Hot. Fuzz. I, like, I love. One of my favorite things about it is that the other officers—they're all slackers in this place. Oh, they're, they're also awesome. join him. They're in the, on the final action. Yeah, yeah it's the whole police force. It's not just him fighting even the police force. It's like the police force, like you think that's where it's gonna go, and right. then he manages to to sway them somehow. And I'm not like, even really easy. sure how. <laughs> like, like they're just like totally not on board until they are. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just totally. like that's fine. And so then yeah, they're all kind of like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, then uh, you have the whole police force. Based in crime, I love that. I love yeah, the it's great. Part, the most inept act. police force in Great Britain uh, being uh, surprisingly very good at their jobs. Yeah, once they uh, pull together and, and realize what they need to do, they become very effective. <laughs> uh, the woman on that on the police force, uh, Doris, played by Olivia Coleman, uh, she also plays a police officer in a British television series that I highly recommend called Broadchurch. Um, with David Tennant, a completely different oh, kind oh, of yeah. police officer. Uh, it's a really great show, and if you've not seen it, it's on Netflix, and you totally need to because it's really good. Um, but yeah, she's in that, and she's wonderful in it, and a completely different way than she is in uh, Hot Fuzz because she plays very funny role in Hot Fuzz, very serious role in Broadchurch. So it's it's a good contrast and kind of shows you what a great actress Olivia Coleman is because she's fantastic. Well. Awesome. That's all we have to say about Hot Buzz. The World's End, Gary King. Um, but yeah, his that character for me is, I think, probably the biggest acting challenge for Peg because at once he is so abrasive and obnoxious, but still somehow really likable. Like you can see why these guys are hanging out with him, even though he is awful. And then on the other hand, he's just incredibly tragic. Like at the end, I, I'm, I'm genuinely moved by his, um, by his plight. Um, mm-hmm. And it's never anything that's spelled out specifically, but just from the visual clues that, that Wright gives you, you absolutely know this is a guy who's in rehab. Uh, he definitely shouldn't be here, and he's, he's suicidal. That's all you need to know. And that the tragedy is not ever spoken beyond them talking around it, but it's perfectly displayed. And I and I and that's part of the reason why I love World's End is just because of that performance by Peg and that character. 
um, that I find really compelling, despite every reason I shouldn't find it compelling. I really do. I love it. That's I mean, fair. I, I, it's I, also I, nice to see Nick Frost play against type because yes, he's played kind of the my favorite thing apart. That's the, that's one of my favorite things about the World's End is just watching Nick Frost <laughs> play that character because it's yeah. so different. It's so different, expecting. and yet he does. He nails it. Like he knocks mm-hmm. it out of the park. He, he does it really, really well. Yeah, he's his performance is awesome mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the world's end. As far as I'm concerned, um, I like it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's to the same caliber as Hot Fuzz uh, for me in terms of enjoyment uh, of watching the film. Um, I think that um, the world's end has a problem. I think it has a okay. problem, and I think that problem is well. First off, okay. Before we get into that. Um, we've been talking about these other films in terms of like the genre tropes that they uh, are like the, the genres that they are um, homaging to. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what your what, what you guys think about the world's end in that context of the genre question. Cause I don't 100% obvious. understand what the world's ends genre is. <laughs> Cause sci-fi. it's less obvious. It's, it's sci-fi. sci-fi. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, no, no. Invasion of the body snatchers. Specifically, invasion the of the body snatchers with yeah. elements of like Stepford Wives um, mm, okay. and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it's very much that kind of seventies brand of sci-fi. Like, like it's so much so, like invasion of the body snatchers to the point where they're when they stick out their hands and open their mouth. That's from the seventies version of body invasion of the body. Snatchers. Which is something we'll probably cover later on in this. We podcast. should because that's actually a really good movie. Yeah. Okay, so so then if, if that in that case then. Um, with sci-fi being the primary genre, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's a secondary genre in there of the, you know, uh, like the 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 pub crawl is in and of, in and of itself a, a separate genre of like the crazy night that goes out of control, you know, yeah. type of situation. So those are two different genres that are being smashed into this movie, which I don't think is really the same as what he has done with the previous films necessarily because he does that with Shaun of the Dead you had the Ron you had the rom com you had the rom com mixed with uh with the zombie film. But I guess it is kind of similar. Yeah. It just feels like in this movie that yeah. it was much more I, I know what you're saying. It is more smashed together and it makes less sense. Yes. Because and that, it, okay, so in Shaun of the Dead, they're in the zombie apocalypse, they can't do anything. It's all rom com thing right. is, is like they're the, the plan is kind of makes no sense why they wouldn't just get out of there. Well, right. To, and, to okay. continue on to continue on the prop crawl. I know they, 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 it's just less believable. It's, it's right. more smashed together than it is. So it, the rom-com like, more, less seamless. The rom-com felt more like a naturally occurring thing within mm-hmm. the context of the world of, of Shaun of the dead, but the pub crawl. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a silly conceit for them to continue being there. Yeah. So I think that's like causes it to be less uh, less believable that any of this stuff would have happened. But also, it does feel like the two ideas were just kind of smacked together rather than like written around each other necessarily. So it feels and that very that well may have been the case. To be quite no. honest with you, I in, think I what? Well, oh, sorry, no, 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 no actually, I, you continue on. I was just going to say that in the um, commentary for Hot Fuzz. 
the the scene where Nicholas Angel runs around the corner when he's chasing the purple guy, uh, runs around the corner and sees like a group of women pushing um, strollers and says, "You mothers." Um, that he Edgar Wright says that joke was originally written quote for a film about a pub crawl. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like he had that idea already, and then probably because in I, some Scott Pilgrim in between, he may have repurposed that for the third installment of the Cornetto trilogy. It seems guess. to me like they probably had originally planned to do the pub crawl as a basis for their film. And mm-hmm. then when it came down to writing it, they probably were like, what's our twist? What's our, what's our strange, you know, twisty angle going to be on this movie. Mm-hmm. And they came up with the sci-fi plot, but I don't feel like they're nearly as natural. Um, you know, they fit together nearly as naturally as they did in Shaun of the Dead. Now, the question I have for you then is what is Hot Fuzzes? I mean, because all these movies have multiple genres weaved together, but what is Hot Fuzzes multiple genres? Oh, like, well, you said it is. Yeah, it's the cult film mixed with the... Uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. That's We did just right. talk about but, that. But now, one thing I mind. thought... You know, <laughs> I know what you're saying is that it is like two genres that just smash together, and so a little mm-hmm. seamless in this. But surprisingly enough, I well, with this, the thing I like about At the World's End better than the other two is the emotional theme. Definitely. The emotional plot of the movie does actually work well with the uh, Alien Body Snatcher movie. I would argue works works probably better in in that film than probably any other emotional through line of the films. That's what I'm saying, too. It's like this movie, as far as its emotional development, story, emotional story arc, and like the reasons for those characters, it works is more solid. No, and I agree. It, and the thing is, is that emotional arc makes sense in both the buddy, the pub crawl movie and in the sci-fi movie. So that's the only reason. Definitely, I agree with that. Next, but it, it is less seamless than the other two. So, yeah. so really, what it comes down to is that in the other films, the emotional arcs are less uh, powerful, mm-hmm. but they're more. Um, but all of the the genre meldings and the emotional arc is more coherent in the other films than it is like all together as a triangle mm-hmm. of you know foundations for a, for a film mm-hmm. they're more it, it all fits together a little bit better in the other two films whereas i feel like it's less uh coherent in this film um they that both of the the like main genre plots uh, work really well for the core emotional story, mm-hmm. um, but they don't really work too well together, I feel. And so yeah. it feels like a lot of times that the movie is just going off on like it. I feel kind of lost about what the concept is in the combining the two films together as the events are unfolding. I'm like, but I, I just, I question why this is continuing to be an issue and why they're not just getting out of there <laughs> because it doesn't make as much sense as it does in Hot Fuzz, where, you know, the reason that that you know uh, that uh, Sergeant Angel goes back in and 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 gets in there and is is because he knows it's the right thing to do and he knows that uh, you know he needs to do that right. So the final showdown is is necessary is necessitated by the plot, whereas like in the World's End. Like finishing the pub crawl is like necessary as an emotional arc for for the characters, right? For Gary, for Gary yeah, specifically. For Gary specifically, um, it's it's like it's it's something he needs to do. But continuing to fight off the alien body snatching invader doesn't doesn't really seem to have anything to do with. Like it's, why it's, anybody would be there doing the pub crawl still? It's the <laughs> obstacle standing in the way of them 
completing the pub crawl. And I feel like it's maybe a little bit too big of a concept to be to serve that. Pr- like like maybe the the conflict it introduced as a twist on the on the plot is a little bit too big. Like they they really just went a little too hog wild with that, and maybe could have reined it in a little bit to make it a more coherent film. You see, Caleb, the twelve bars in the Golden Mile represent the twelve step program to sobriety that Gary King is currently going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that by the time he reaches the end, um, he when you see him at the end of the film, he's going into pubs and drinking water, which is according to Nick Frost's character Andy, the most courageous thing that you can do is uh-huh. walk into a bar after a rugby match and order a, a tap water. Right. Um, so, I mean, so I'm not debating got, that. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's his through line, but then the aliens, alien robots, not robots. Don't call them robots. They're not mm-hmm. slaves. Robots are slaves. Yeah. Um, they're not slaves, um, right. but fighting them off the, the body, the snatched bodies, I guess you could say, um, those are the obstacles that he faces and even has, you know, his moment of clarity and his, um, making amends there in the, um, in the smokehouse, um, where everyone kind of gets paranoid and, you know, needs to see their scars, et cetera. I mean, those are, I mean, he's going through that program. The obstacles then are it's, it's him facing his past and the mm-hmm. demons of his past. And those are now embodied by this world that is, homogenized it's not the it's it's very much the same but not at all the same as what he's come out of so it's it's i would say it's kind of the world is it a perfect metaphor no uh but i think it works in that in that sense um i really like it okay yeah i mean i'm not saying i i don't have a problem with it i just think that it doesn't work as well as the previous film i think Um, it's because the actual because of the actual down like base logic does not make sense Mm -hmm. I mean, in Shaun of the Dead, they have to do something because there's zombies everywhere, right? There's no getting out of that situation. So the plot that unfolds, bad decisions are made and stuff, but, like, there's no way out of it. So something has to be done, right? Right. Uh, Same same thing for Hot Fuzz, more or less. You know, uh, something, duty calls in that situation. Something has to be done. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, You could go home to London... Or you could come back around and, sh- and kill a bunch of people, and it'd be awesome. And mm. who wouldn't want to do the more awesome thing? <laughs> um, and then in, in The World's End, um, it would have made a lot more sense to leave town a long time ago. <laughs> like, it, like, the logic just is, like, for all of them to stay and keep doing it, the, to continue on the pub crawl doesn't make sense logically. Like, it makes sense. Like, fine, you give it to the movie. It's a thing you accept and you forgive. And if you do that, Steve, if that's okay. If then you accept and forgive, you're on your way to becoming a horror movie fan. Because that's what we do all. That's what they do Let's all the time. Let's be honest, Sam. Except for logic, our, way our major movie fan. <laughs> I did see a Quiet Place and thought it was really. So. Anyways, but that's the thing. Is like it's, Quiet it's, Place. I didn't see it. I didn't oh, see okay. It. It's pretty good. Um, but that's the thing is it's it is something that makes no sense. Like it is, is it a logic that would not probably happen in real life to continue off the pub crawl. But it is a thing that's close. That's okay enough that you accept it. I just consider it to be a weakness compared to the other films. So if we're talking about them yeah. in context of one another, yeah, I think I think that's that's all I have to say. I don't think it's like a big problem. I just think that it does no. it is a weakness for me uh, compared to the other films. Whereas I'm very willing to suspend my disbelief for that. 
And it's a lot of suspend disbelief that you're suspending, unfortunately. But it's good. I like it. It's like a coming of age movie. Yeah, it's a great film. It's a great film. It's a coming of age movie for people in their forties. It's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, not like yeah. Who says you don't, like you don't just come of age once? There are multiple ages. <laughs> Sometimes you get put on a twenty year hiatus due to drug use. Yeah. I mean, and, who, who's to say? And maybe the the uh, the blanks they represent society. Oh, they definitely represent society. society. And him trying to accept and deal with that. That kind of makes the ending was kind of weak too. The ending, I think, is it's very Deus Ex Machina, very out of. Um, I I think it's really funny, which is why I'm able to forgive it. But thematically, right. I don't know that it necessarily fits. That's um, also but a it, problem it, I have. It, like, cracks, it cracks me up. I find it hilarious. Because, okay. okay with that. All right, but this is more like logic issues here. Um, they infiltrated humanity like within the last 20 years. That happened within the last 20 years. Okay. So why would, why, would, why would EMP blasts taking out the power grid halt human like halt human uh, technological advancement just because they blew up the technology we already have doesn't mean that we don't have at least up to the last uh, up to 20 years ago's worth of technology we could still resurrect ourselves it doesn't seem like it would be the apocalyptic scenario that they set it up to be that's that's my first issue uh my second issue is that i don't feel like that we get a really a really like, okay, in the other two films, you, you the emotional arc, you get to see a character, like, have a problem and then kind of learn to solve that problem to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Sean, Sean figures out how to be, like, a more responsible human being, presumably, and works out his relationship issues and finds a way to make time for his childhood buddy and his childish things, but... That's only a part of his life rather than consuming his whole life. Uh, and then in Hot Fuzz, um, you know, Angel learns to uh, not to, to be able to turn himself off and care about people more than his work. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and even to the point of breaking the rules to do what's right. Right. Um, and in The World's End. He he may not have, get fixed. He may he have gotten no like some things. He may have gotten some things yes, he does. in his life, but he doesn't make. I don't feel like that his core problem has been solved at the end of it. I no. honestly don't think so. He is he's he's put into a world where he can be childish and have his fun adventures with the child versions of all of his friends for the rest of his life. How is that a development? That well, I, first I of all, don't think it works. <laughs> first of all, he's doing it sober, which is huge okay that's um, right, right that's one problem solved but that's, like, that's right, I, I would say that's the major problem that's not the major problem actually because you're, you're missing if you think if you think his his drug addiction is the is the theme of his movie you're kind of missing the point of what the drug you gotta look at what the core of the drug addiction is coming from that doesn't get solved the core of the drug addiction is okay that well he, what's what's the core of the has, drug addiction then is that he mm. has self-esteem he, he has like serious self-esteem problems that has led him into a lifestyle where he's never made anything of himself because right. his strongest, highest point in life was being a, a teenager coming out of high school. And so he is stuck in 
in the past of the glory days of his teenage years where he could run around and do whatever he wants. And at the end of the movie, what is he doing? Running around with literally his teenage friends doing whatever he wants. He's just right. so... But they're not his teenage friends. They are, car, they, are, they are copies of his teenage friends. <laughs> and, but what is Made he doing? Made from their DNA. He's, he's, not, he's not saying... He's fighting what, white supremacists, sure. He's doing it sober. Which is a step in the sure. right direction. But his core problem, I don't think, has been saved. Been no, solved. It's been, it's been passed. He still hasn't grown up. It's yeah, exactly. It's like it's been he's been humored. He's been given like, I don't know. It's, he's it's been handed sad. a world that is exactly what he wants. That's not yeah. development. That's like a he's, not dealing, he's not dealing with this problem. He's actually just being the world just deus ex machina a better situation for him to have his problem in. Yeah. So, yeah, I think at the I think that throughout the film, the emotional the emotional arc is better than is stronger than anything presented in the previous two films but the conclusion of the emotional arc i think completely falls apart and mm -hmm. i think part and i have a feeling that it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where this movie probably had been written and rewritten and re like conceptualized multiple times during the process because it's the last film in the trilogy so it's probably uh subject to having more of the recycled ideas that didn't get used from anything else in the past. So it's just not very coherent. I, I think that at the end, they wanted to have a post-apocalypse scenario and they wanted to have their Three Musketeers references and stuff, but they didn't re couldn't really come, come up with a way that made it all work and definitely didn't conclude the emotional arc satisfyingly, I think. I had more feels watching the movie, but by the end of the movie, I was disappointed with how it concluded. That's my that's my take on the world's end. So with that being said, I think it's 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 probably the the least good overall, <laughs> despite all of its positives. No, it's great. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I felt we, we we made some pretty compelling arguments here. <laughs> well, you wouldn't let me make any, so we'll move on. Uh, what is what? your every well, time I try to one? talk, you guys just talked over me. No, because I can't argue with you. Every no, time we're... I try to start to say something, you guys mow over me and like, no, you're missing. The Blah, 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 blah. So I'm not. I'm you not had like a five minute you. span where you told us about the twelve step program and how this all has to do with sobriety. Right, and there was we're more gonna... to that, but well, hey, to, hey, we're done with that. our argument. I mean, I, I mean, I certainly have nothing else to say. I expressed every thought I had on the film. So if you want to go ahead and and continue with yours, that's fine. I, okay. I won't so what interrupt. is your favorite reference or Easter egg in the three? I'm done arguing with you. I've already said. I'm moving on. What is your favorite reference or Easter egg in the three flavors trilogy? Uh, I don't know. I don't watch movies, so I don't get any of the references. <laughs> that's why you don't like World's End, because you don't like movies. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. <laughs> I like these movies. Favorite reference, <laughs> Easter egg? No? Nobody, I don't, nobody has one? I mean, because it's not... I don't know. It's weird. Because the way the things are referenced aren't... I don't know. They're done weird. I don't really have a favorite reference in the movies. I feel like it's... Like, uh... I, get, I get a lot of the references, but it's not like... I go, oh, that's a reference to Taxi Driver. <laughs> I mean, oh, I like the, reference. the remove the head or destroy the brain. I mean, that's an obvious reference, right? Sure. You know, that that's good. We get them, but I don't have any... I guess there's nothing, the references aren't that obscure. There's also a movie that I know, like, there's not... They don't reference any movies that are so obscure that no one's ever seen that, like, I've seen. And I get it. It's all the pretty basic genre movie references. 
I uh, mine is either the last line of uh, the head of the NWA. Uh, still think that's the best in joke in that entire. That may be my favorite reference in the the trilogy. Actually, is the NWA reference. But the last line of the head of the NWA uh, when the mine falls on his foot is "Oh God, no!" Which is very similar to the final lines of that guy's character in The Wicker Man. Which again, probably a movie you guys should see. Um, I like the NWA reference. That now that I know it's a reference, <laughs> like I never actually put that together. <laughs> Hey, it's funny now that you some pointed at me that it is referenced. Now I know what it is. I know what it is referencing. And it's yeah, funny. so that's it's, it's funnier reference. when you know what it is referencing <laughs> because it's so antithetical to what the original reference is that it's just yeah. The NW is probably my favorite, although that the the last line of the uh, uh, Mr. Weaver is probably my second, a close second for me. The oh god no, whereas and um, it's very similar to what he says at the end of Wicker Man when he sees the titular wicker man, uh, which is, uh, Oh God, Oh Jesus. Um, cause he's a very religious character. Um, but yeah, as, as he, as he's being led to his death. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, favorite line and or gag. I really like the, the garden fence gag. That they really, they really, gag. they really explore it to, to every, in every way you could <laughs> really do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's I all. A favorite, I had a favorite line last night. I forgot to write it down, so I can't remember. It came from actually from World's End. Oh, WTF? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's actually probably my favorite line through the whole trilogy. That's that is a great that is a great line. And then Peter comes out of the toilet and says, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these movies had a character, Pete or Peter, who dies. Every single one of them. Hmm, it's okay. The, it's the roommate in Shaun of the Dead, yep. played by Peter Serafinowicz, who's great. Uh, it's the the guy in purple is named Pete in uh, Hot Fuzz, and he's later found dead underneath the uh, in like the graveyard and underneath the castle. And then uh, Peter Page, who is replaced by a blank in this movie. So that was a fun little recurring thing that I noticed this time through that I'd actually never noticed before hmm. is that there's a character named Pete or Peter that dies in every single one of these. So interesting. It's like some underlying anger. It's like right. maybe they uh, knew somebody named Peter that uh, really wronged right. them in some way. <laughs> right. Um, do you have a favorite uh, performer uh, or in uh, performer or character in the trilogy? There it's are... hard to say because I love British actors. I love all British actors. I think I love them all equally and without prejudice. I right. think. Uh, I think. No, one I of like my favorite Max. performances is is uh, Skinner's perform the guy who plays Skinner in Timothy Dalton, one of two yeah. James Bond actors who appear in this trilogy. It's just like that guy. That that personality is like just so unsettling throughout the whole film. He's it was really good. good. I really like that one. I really like that one. <clears throat> there are seven actors that appear in all three of these films. Uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Bill Nye, Martin Freeman, Rafe Spall, Julia Deacon, and Patricia Franklin uh, appear in... It, and towards the end, there a couple of those last ones are like blink and you miss them kind of roles, but... Um, those seven actors appear in all three of these films in various roles. Or in Martin Freeman's case, it's he it's blink and you miss him 
until you get to the last film. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then he's all over it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's in the lineup in, of, uh, he's Yvonne's boyfriend. I think the, uh, the Liz analog Declan mm-hmm. in Shaun of the dead. And then he's the, the chief he's sergeant a, in, yeah, uh, hot like fuzz, that. something like that. In London. And then, uh, Chief Constable. That's no. That's yeah. So I don't know. Who who knows? There's so many. There are multiple layers of bureaucracy we got subjected to there. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, and then of course, Oman Oliver Chamberlain. Direct reference to the Omen there. Um, but yeah. Oh, the I just got that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so, I didn't watch a lot of British movies from that time period. Oh, Sam. Um. I, I would have to say my favorite performer is probably Simon Pegg. Um, just as a performer, I think he does. He has he's given the most to do throughout the sure. series of films, and he I think he does it. Really instance, uh, my favorite character though is probably going to be uh, Frank Butterman from Hot Fuzz. He's really funny. Um, that's the uh, chief of police played by Jim Broadbent. I think he's really good. Yeah, he's probably my favorite performer throughout the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, throughout the trilogy, yeah, probably so. Yeah. Probably so. But, uh, you know, Simon Pegg really did give a, a wide range of performances throughout this. Yeah, and so, he, I think he did all of them really well. Yeah. Um, I like when he gets, I like when he gets, gets action movie mode in, in Hot Fuzz because his voice gets deep and he's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's awesome. I also love that he plays a character that has never seen an action film. But then once he sees action films, he's like all in and committed to the action film thing. Right. But he didn't um, seem to like actually like enjoy the action film that much. It's just like no. it, comes, it comes time to do to get business taken care of. He's like, oh, I'll just do it the action movie way. Because how else would you do it? It's the only way you can really once you really? know. Uh, and finally, if forced, how would you rank the entry trilogy? I've done mine already. I'll do it again just for the sake of... Uh, consistency uh world's end hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead uh in that order uh, i would say reverse order i say they keep getting better as they go uh but that's just me i'm i'm the only one that's going to rank them that way i guarantee you hot fuzz world's end Shaun of the dead okay i'm gonna go with hot fuzz Shaun of the dead world's end just to be contrarian no no just for the reasons i outlined before I think the mo- the emotional arcs are the ones that I like ac- that actually like make me care about these movies, and I think The World's End is the one that disappoints me the most. So it's the it's the it's the lowest on the list of these phenomenal movies, Fair all enough. of which are very high on the list of movies in general. Right. I'm not going to score one of these movies lower than a, f- and I like all of them. I will watch all of them multiple times. Have watched all of them multiple times. Will watch all of them again. So me saying Shaun of the Dead is my least favorite is. Not like, saying anything because it's... Like, yeah, like saying that I don't much, you know, like pizza's just okay. Like, I'm going to keep eating pizza. I will always eat pizza. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's is it my favorite food? No. But am I going to eat it? Yeah, absolutely. Am I going to enjoy it while I'm eating it? Yeah. Uh, do I like pizza? Sure. Um, Edgar so... Wright is the only filmmaker I can think of who has, who's every, every movie and every show he's ever made is solid gold. Knock wood, man, because um, I'm waiting for something to disappoint me. I think even Ant Man was good, and and I and he just wrote that. 
Right. Um, well, and, and it really, was rewritten that, after he left. Heavily. Yeah. Yeah, it was, Actually, it was rewritten afterwards. They got, I, he got a story by credit. Wanted to read his script because, from what I understand, it wasn't actually heavily written. Only the only thing really changed was the added references, and that was the huge thing. Is he wrote it so there was no references to the Avengers? Yeah, but they. Added. I just know that there ended up being like two more writing credits added on there. Paul Rudd was one of them. Paul Rudd and Adam McKay, the guy who wrote and directed uh, Anchorman, the short, um, uh, Talladega Nights. I would like to see the original script, see how much has changed. From what, like I said, from what I'm understanding, not much has changed. But and that that's kind of uh, just kind of one of those things that like no one's ever really talked about why. Just like sort of the blanket creative differences statement. Edgar Wright did say that he was excited to make a Marvel movie, but didn't feel like Marvel was excited to make an Edgar Wright movie, whatever that means. So yeah. I read some stuff about it and once, and and he made a statement at one point that said. Um, that Marvel wanted to completely rewrite his script at some point in that process. And he said, um, he, he said he felt like he went from being the creative force behind the movie to being a director for hire. And he didn't care at that point, which makes so, perfect sense. Cause Kevin Feige is the auteur behind the Marvel cinematic universe. If one person gets the credit there, it's him. And the directors all do kind of seem like directors for hire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he doesn't seem like my kind of, like the director for hire kind of guy uh, yeah, based no. on his filmography. He's very much an auteur, which is probably why we all like him, because we do tend to gravitate towards auteurs as, yeah. I mean, just as the fans of movies that we are or are not in your case. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, I know Sam and I are tend to be, tend to have an auteur bias, uh, generally speaking. So, um, and, and I would say, I would call Edgar Wright an auteur, definitely has a visual style and a visual language um, that, that plays very prominently in his films. So yeah, absolutely. I would consider him an auteur and Marvel just doesn't strike me as the kind of a studio that wants to really work with auteurs. James Gunn. I don't know if you could really call him an auteur, but he's probably the closest one that they would work with him and him or Joss Whedon. Again, neither one of those guys are really auteurs though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about James Gunn's other films, but, feels like what he has done in the Marvel universe has kind of almost served to um, to shape what the rest of the Marvel universe looks like now. For sure. And uh, that's kind of like, I think that's really the main, the main thing there is that he had more, probably more um, stylistic freedom mm -hmm. in Guardians because it was probably less important to Marvel. Well, it was just. Um, it but was, then it ended up it wasn't connected a lot to anything. Came after. Yeah, Guardians wasn't connected to anything, so it right. was just kind Which of like automatically makes it better than pretty much anything else in the Marvel universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has anyone seen Infinity War? Yes. But no. I have not seen it yet. I need to. I probably wait until it comes out of video. I'll okay. give you. I'll give you a, a, a my my quick one one second thoughts. Uh, I actually liked it, and that's rare. For Marvel movies, so okay. um, if that means anything to you guys, uh, I, I would say go see it because I actually liked it. I was hoping which I haven't, I haven't liked a Marvel movie in years. I would like to see it next weekend. I haven't seen Black Panther yet either, so I need to see that first. Did you see Black Panther, Caleb? No, I didn't. Dang, it's still I in the like theater. I heard Black Panther's really good. I mean, I it's go definitely it. it's definitely being hyped up. It's still in theaters, and it comes out on Blu-ray next. week. Yeah, yeah. Like next but it's also not as good as everyone says it, but it's a pretty good. Yeah. 
Don't I just don't buy into the hype. It's not gonna blow your I mind. I mean, I'm not hyped. I mean, if I were hyped, I would have gone and seen it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's point. the only I mean, thing I will say about it is it deserves an Oscar for costume. If it doesn't win an Oscar for costume, I will be pissed. Okay, fair enough. Because its costume was its costume design was so freaking on point. Just awesome. Best. Some of the best stuff I've seen. I also want to see Andy Serkis uh, do more Afro, Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism, yes. You want to see All Andy right. Serkis do more Afrofuturism. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Him, and, him <laughs> and Martin Freeman, both of that. More Afrofuturism for those guys. Uh, any, any other final thoughts on um, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy or the career of Edgar Wright in general? I kind of lost my screen after this podcast. I just had some. It was really good. You should totally pick some up. I'm out of ice cream as of today. Ooh. Dang it. <laughs> but I, I did eat a little bit of ice cream while watching one of these movies. So, What kind of ice cream in which movie? It was Snickers ice cream. It's just just some Snickers flavored ice cream. Uh, and I was watching Hot Fuzz. Okay. That's the appropriate combination. That's the one that I would have done too. Because uh, vanilla is the flavor of... Um, Uh, of Hot Fuzz because it comes in the blue wrapper and blue represents the police. Uh, For Shaun of the Dead, it's strawberry because the red represents the blood. And then for The World's End, it's mint chip because the green represents the aliens. Hmm. And that's also, yeah. So there you go. Well. Three flavors, Cornetto Trilogy, that's our thoughts. That, it's time for us to boo-boo. Uh, got something to add to our conversation? Well, go ahead and send an email to ruleofthirdspodcast at gmail.com and we'll read your comments probably on the next episode if we get any, but we probably won't, so we won't do that. Uh, you can connect with us on the InstaFace twit at Thirds Rule. And while you're online, swing on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review to receive friend of the show status and help us reach more listeners, not unlike yourselves. Caleb, are we on Google Play yet? Uh, no, I'm still working on that. And by working on that, I mean not working on it. Haven't working on that, it. you mean you're reminded of it every time. Here's, here's what I know and about, forget it. about it. Here's what I know about it. I know that it is possible. That is all I know. <laughs> hey, if you know how to get us onto Google Play, email us at podcast at Jimmy. Of course, if you knew, you'd probably listen to us there and are listening to us now. So, okay. Uh, so if you know how to, if you know how to do it and are willing to do it for me then definitely get in touch with us. (laughs) Um, You can also uh, take a look at our show archives at thirdsrule.wordpress.com. Find past episodes, uh, including the last episode we recorded, which was back in February. Um, And uh, you can also um, see uh, reviews that we've done of movies while they're still in theaters. Obviously not Avengers Infinity War. Um, but maybe I the think Han Solo it's possible movie? that we could do that if if only Sam would be able to carve out some time in his life. To, to I don't have time. I literally have no physical time to do that. We're, I mean, we're lucky you that do, you were you able to watch need, these movies. You, you do need way more time for Infinity War than you would normally need for a movie. But <laughs> it's, really long. it's like three and a half hours long. Well, that might a- be a bit of an exaggeration, but it is three hours long. <laughs> more yeah. or less. It's really uh, long, but, but, hey, hey, hey. Hey. Three hours? Doesn't feel like it at all. Fair enough. Well paced. So, there you go. Uh, this has been the Caleb Dunkerson review of Avengers Infinity War, as it is a part of episode 204 of the Rule of Thirds podcast, entitled Trilogies and Tribulations 2, Electric Boogaloo. Join us next month, we hope, 
Uh, for another episode, sure to be a high-octane thrill ride of biblical proportions. Until then, for Samuel Dumas and Caleb Dunkerson, I'm Stephen Foxworthy, reminding you that it doesn't matter if you've got red on you, if there's a swan on the loose, or if the world has literally fallen apart around you. Remember, you can always depend on the fact that thirds rule. plans for dinner at all tonight we will be partaking of a liquid repast as we wend our way up the golden mile commencing with an inaugural tankard in the first post then on to the old familiar the famous cock the cross hands the good companions the trusty servant the two-headed dog the mermaid the beehive the king's head and the hole in the wall for a measure of the same all before the last bittersweet pint in that most fateful terminus the world's end leave a light on good lady for though we may return with a twinkle in our eyes we will in truth be blind drunk.